Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Better than this, it's guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, the founder and director of NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports, and I'm joined by my co-host, my number two in command, Mr. Joe Marino, also of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports. We are the Draft Dudes. This is your first time listening to the Dudes. Thank you for carving a little bit of time out of your day. Uh, We'd like to cordially invite you to hit that subscribe button and make this not your last time listening to the dudes as we get you prepared for week four of college football. And uh, the other thing that we're going to talk about today, which I think is is pretty interesting, is if you stop and think about it, week four marks the end of the first third of the college football season. So uh, for teams that don't make bowls, they are a third of the way through their games. You know, they're starting to become a sizable body of work for these players that we can start to look towards and and try and make some assessments for those who are out of eligibility. But before we do, Joe, happy Friday. Wish you were here in sunny Phoenix. How's the East Coast treating you? The East Coast is is terrific. And Kyle, this is a record-breaking show in that I believe this is the most distance between us uh, when recording. 2,089 miles, to be exact, separates Charlotte to Phoenix. That hurts my heart. I don't know why well, you'd say that. It's um, it's yeah, the beauty of technology, man. We can be That's over right. two thousand miles away and get a podcast out for the people. Yeah, well, uh, we just won't be denied. We're gonna keep grinding the uh, grinding the pod instead of grinding the tape. 
So I'm glad we could Absolutely. rise to the occasion here. And the whole reason why I'm out here, Joe, let's let's talk about a couple games from week four. Um, the whole reason why I'm out here at FanRag offices, uh, as much as I would just love to say I'm here on vacation, I actually am working. Uh, I got two games this weekend. I got a game tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's in 7.30 or 8 p.m. kick uh, local time. So it'll be a late kick for you East Coasters. Uh, it is Arizona and Utah. And then the game that I'm seeing on Saturday is University of Oregon versus uh, Arizona State. So I guess in each of these two games, Joe, I just want to let everybody know who's listening who I'm specifically going to be watching because these are, you know, Pac-12 teams really don't get the high profile unless you're Washington or USC. As a point of fact, their games don't kick off until 1030 or 11 o'clock at night on the East Coast. So for Utah, there's two guys, one on each side of the football. Uh, Darren Carrington, the wide receiver, uh, who ironically I believe we were asked about a couple weeks ago uh, before the season started. He used to play for the University of Oregon and uh, was dismissed from the team. He's had some off-the-field stuff that's resulted in some disciplinary action, and he's been excellent for the Utes so far this year. So I'm interested to get a chance to see him in a new offense uh, where he really has the opportunity to be, quote-unquote, the guy against the Arizona defense. So Carrington's one on the other side of the football for Utah. I'm interested in watching Loa Lotulele. This is Star Lotulele's brother. Uh, I don't think he's going to be quite as highly valued as a draft prospect as what his brother Star was, who was a first-round pick for the Carolina Panthers. But uh, he's really powerful. He's got some pleasantly surprising lateral mobility, ability to kind of play gaps on either side of him in his immediate vicinity. So uh, in that first game, Arizona versus Utah, I'm really interested to see one player on each side of the ball for the Utes. On Saturday, when Oregon comes to town, Got to start with Justin Herbert. Got to start with a quarterback. If I get a chance to watch a quarterback that I think has draft prospects, I'm always really excited to do it. Uh, so that's what I'll be checking out. First and foremost, obviously the Oregon Ducks do have Royce Freeman there as well, uh, running back one of the most productive backs in the country over the course of his four-year career. They have a left tackle, Tyrell Crosby, who moves pretty well. Uh, Want to see him, was hoping to see him get tested by Arizona State defender Karan Crump, but it's been announced that he is actually out for this game, and that is just my luck, Joe. But that's all right. Arizona State still has Kalen Balaj, the running back. Uh, production's not great, but Arizona State's offense doesn't really generate a lot of movement at the line of scrimmage, so I understand. He is a, a pretty impressive physical talent, though, so that's uh, primarily going to be my focus for the Sun Devils. Yeah, it would be a fun back-to-back getting to see four of the Pac-12 teams in just two days. So that's a, an awesome opportunity. I'll I'll be back on the road next weekend with a doubleheader of myself for myself, but we'll get into that next week. What I want to do here before I ask Kyle a myriad of questions about his top fives that were just released is I kind of want to hit the rest of the slate of games here with uh, some different things to pay attention throughout the course of your Saturday. And, and the first thing you want to watch is, is this NC State-Florida State game. Welcome back, Seminoles, man. We haven't seen these guys play uh, since the Alabama game. You know, obviously the unfortunate Hurricane Irma has caused some cancellations. Uh, so Florida State finally gets their first chance to avenge that week one loss, playing host to the Wolfpack. And, uh, you know, obviously the the, the guys to watch here it, it really come from the Florida State defensive side of the football where – 
you know, the Josh Sweat, the defensive end, and uh, and Derwin James, the safety, and Tavares McFadden, the uh, the cornerback, and Derek Nottie, the defensive tackle, are, are some premier talent available in this draft. They'll be going against the Florida, uh, a North Carolina State offense that uh, features a, a low-key quarterback prospect that's not getting a lot of love, but uh, I know both you and I agree that he could play a little bit, and that's uh, Ryan Finley. So, uh, you know, we got a nice little quarterback matchup against a good defense, and then NC State has that talented defensive line headlined by Bradley Chubb. So plenty to watch in that game. Moving along here, want to hit a couple others uh, that stand out on the slate of games. Uh, you know, we got uh, Vanderbilt, Alabama, and, and Alabama obviously is just loaded with with talent. And But I think it'll be a really nice contest to see Ralph Webb uh, the running back for for Vanderbilt, who's had a terrific career, uh, his last chance going against Alabama, unless you know uh, Vanderbilt wins the East, which maybe they will. They're off to a terrific start, uh, and uh, so you know you get a chance to see Ralph Webb showcase his ability against you know guys that are going to be competing in the NFL. So it'll be a good measuring stick for him. Uh, you know we've get we've got uh, USC California, which is obviously big. We've got Sam Darnold going who is uh, is kind of rising to the top of this quarterback class. So every week that he's playing is important. Uh, Oklahoma State TCU, where we're going to have Mason Rudolph going against, I guess is probably his first real test, if you can say that. I know that Big 12 defenses don't have a, a ton of respect, but you know TCU's coming in number 16 in the nation. Oklahoma State has played you know Tulsa, South Alabama, and then they played Air. I mean Pittsburgh. Uh, certainly looked like they were playing against air with the resistance that Pittsburgh offered in that game. So uh, definitely want to see Mason Rudolph in that game, and that's a player that Kyle and I will dig into just a little bit more here when we get to his top fives. Uh, looking through the rest of the slate of games, want to hit a few more things. We've got the the upstart Mississippi State Bulldogs going against the Georgia Bulldogs, and this is a uh, is a big matchup, seven o'clock game on ESPN. Uh, obviously, you know. It, to me, that really comes down to this Georgia defense. I really like what I've been seeing from Lorenzo Carter and Raquan Smith at linebacker. Um, and they're going against this upstart quarterback for Mississippi State that's starting to get some attention with the way that they're playing. You know, they just beat out LSU 37-7. to So Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback for Mississippi State, we'll get to see what he's made of here uh, as they travel on the road to Georgia. Uh, just a couple more things I want to hit real quick. Uh, we've got... Um, this game here between Washington and Colorado and Washington's another team that's kind of coasted through their, uh, their wins so far. Not a lot of resistance with their schedule. They're on the road at Colorado who has some defensive talent. So when we're talking about Dante Pettis and Miles Gaskins, uh, running back and wide receiver and Trey Adams, the left tackle, who I, I think has been a little bit underwhelming to start the season. This would be a, a good test for them going to Colorado. And the last thing I want to mention here is UCLA at Stanford, where uh, if you if you can stay up late here on the East Coast, it starts at 1030, uh, but you get a chance to see Mr. Josh Rosen going up against Stanford. And Stanford has a cornerback that uh, Jonah Tolls, one of our national scouts at NET Scouting, thinks is you know top-tier guy. So, uh, that should be a nice chess match as well. So uh, an interesting weekend ahead of us in college football, plenty to watch. And there is your uh, high-level primer because I know that uh, – I know for me at least, I wanted to take some time here on this Friday show to get into this uh, this top five – or preliminary top fives that Kyle uh, put out right here as we head into week four of the season. Yeah, Joe, you pretty much strong-armed me here. You twisted my arm and said, no, Kyle, we got we have to talk about your top fives. I have some questions for you. 
Um, yes. But I think the just remember you heard it here first. Joe Marino just said Vanderbilt was going to win the SEC East. I said they might. I see. Said, Joe Marino said Vanderbilt might. <laughs> I've seen Florida no, play off him. Yes. Yes, you have. And I've been pounding the Georgia uh, drum for a while. And, and, and we, you know, every week we put out the NDT poll with our top 15. Uh, collectively as a staff, and what goes into the makeup of, of that top 15 is an average of all of our staff's individual rankings. I have been highest on Georgia every week, preseason through now, uh, you know, three weeks of the regular season. And, and so, you know, I think my love, I got not my love, but my appreciation for what I think Georgia can do is well documented. You know, I think you were spot on, though, with Lorenzo Carter, not to kind of hijack this and bring it back to what you just got done recapping, but. Really, really liked his performance against Notre Dame. And if he plays to that level throughout the course of the entire year, whoo boy. Uh, yeah, that length, was, man. That was superb performance from him. Yes, and if uh, you want to know more about that, I did a piece on that, folks. Check it out at NDTscouting.com where I highlighted a lot of uh, of the plays that showcase some of his traits. And, and I'm really liking former five-star guy, man. I think he can play. And you'll also have to swing over, see if he makes an appearance uh, Joe has not read my top five defensive rankings preliminary, but uh, who knows? Maybe Lorenzo Carter makes an appearance. You're just going to have to check it out, find out. We'll see. We'll see yeah. next week, right? Hopefully. All right. Let's get into this, Kyle. Let's start here. With quarterbacks, you've got you've got them listed like this. Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson out of Louisville, Josh Rosen, UCLA, three, Baker Mayfield, four, and Mason Rudolph, five. A lot to unpack here, and I think the first thing – the first thing I, I want to get into, Kyle, no Josh Allen. Uh, I know that he's, you know, fumbling basically against these top, these power five teams and, you know, disastrous performances really against Iowa and, uh, and Wyoming. But uh, there's still some hype out there from, you know, the buzz that you get from the NFL that, that the traits are impossible to ignore and that this is a, Still a marquee prospect. Kyle, obviously you don't agree. Talk to us about Josh Allen and why he's not on this top five. Yeah, I mean, the traits are impossible to ignore, but so is the decision-making and the, and the fundamentals. Um, no, really, this, this ranking and listing came down to uh, Baker outplaying Mason and Josh Allen not being good. Uh, Allen would have, at the beginning of the season, before he played terrible against Iowa and Oregon, probably would have been five. Now he's six. It's just Baker's performed really, really strong. Uh, I like Baker. I'm not exp- – I, Baker, I think I would draw the line for potential first-round guys for me between Rosen and Baker. Uh, Baker, if I'm able to get somewhere in, in the beginning parts of round two or day two, um, I'm okay with that because I think he can run an offense to its structure – Whereas Allen is just a total shot in the dark. And for me personally, there's a lot of risk there that essentially what we do as outside draft people is we're conducting risk assessments. And the risk variance that's in place with Allen and how much that could possibly go wrong with selecting him, especially you know very high as a potential franchise quarterback, it's. I don't feel good about that. So that's why Allen is not currently slated in the top five here. Kyle, I guess uh, the next thing I want to get into here on these quarterbacks specifically is Josh Rosen. You just did a piece for FanRag Sports outlining you know, the parallels that you drew between him and Dan Marino, and we had 
gosh, I guess a 30, 45 minute discussion about him on Monday, but you still have Omar Jackson and Sam Darnold ahead of him right now. Uh, Talk to us about why. Yeah, so Darnold, I haven't seen enough bad from Darnold to move off of having him as the number one entering the season. Uh, He's making some risks with the football. I can appreciate that, but he is the reason why they're 3-0. The big plays are there and the situational football is still there. Um, Lamar, I think his ceiling is the highest out of any of the quarterbacks if he plays to his full potential. Obviously, he didn't perform great against Clemson last weekend. Uh, But Jackson's showing me enough in terms of continued progression in, in how he throws the football and his technique and his footwork. And he's seeing the full field of play a little bit better this year. Uh, for me to really get excited and say, yeah, that's a franchise caliber guy. Uh, And then obviously Rosen is, uh, the ceiling there is pretty high. I think those three, Darnold, Jackson, Rosen, uh, you could give them to me in any order and I could make a case for it. So I would understand any, any combination of the three. I would say Darnold has the best between the ears. Jackson has the best raw physical ability and uh, Rosen probably has the best pure arm and arm strength and release. So that's how I would section those three guys off. Kyle, last thing I want to ask you about these quarterbacks. And I don't, I don't know that this was hard for you to get the five that you wanted to, to list here. Who are the next guys? Was there anybody that was in contention? You know, I know Luke Falk's a popular name for some, uh, Who's kind of that? those next few guys, and, and were they even close to making this list? Yeah, um, I could tell you Luke Falk did not receive an iota of consideration for me. I'm not a fan of his game. Um, I think he makes a lot of very easy throws, hits a lot of shallow crossers, gets a lot of run after catch. Um, no, his, his completion percentage is, is totally inflated by the system that he runs, and um, it's very easy to make quick decisions when you're – always going to have the shallow crosser open. It's just, um, I, I'm not in on Luke at this point. Uh, I, I mentioned Allen is six, uh, Riley Ferguson, especially after the way that he's played to start the year. Uh, he's in that general conversation. Austin Allen's probably in that seven, eight, nine conversation. So, I mean, there's some, some pretty respectable names, but as you said, like this group of five, uh, was really easy for me to come down to. I, re- I just really struggled with how do I slot one, two, and three, and then how do I slot four and five? I think the next position here, running backs, it probably wasn't as easy to decide on that fifth guy. And uh, when I'm looking over this list, you've got Saquon Barkley, Penn, Penn State, number one, Darius Geis from LSU, two, Nick Chubb, uh, Georgia, three, Ronald Jones out of USC four, and then the fifth guy is John Kelly out of Tennessee. Uh, let's start at the top before we get to the bottom because there's there's some in- intrigue in both both places really. Um, Barkley over Geis. What uh, what led to that? I mean, Joe, if you read the fine print, it does say they're one A and one B. So <laughs> um, it does. I, it does. It, to Kyle's correct point, it does it does say that. Yes, uh, you're really splitting hairs. Between these two guys, these are two guys that I can totally see, you know, with my full on evaluation process when the season's all said and done, provided they both declare, uh, you're going to have these guys have top end film. They might get some separation based off of 
you know, fractions of a point with their athletic testing or their, um, their production. Uh, they're both going to be true juniors if they declare at the end of the year, so they won't get any separation there. Uh, I like Barkley personally, though what made me put his name down first is I've had more uh, positive experiences watching Barkley this year in terms of, I actually noted this on NDTscouting.com, sometimes you just have like a play where like the light comes on and you see an element of a player's game that you really hadn't appreciated before. And, you know, I knew Barkley was more between the tackles and Geis makes things happen with quick feet and can manipulate guys in the alley. And, and Barkley's not necessarily that kind of, of guy to that same degree as what Geis is, but I'm watching him, you know, break three or four pursuit angles, getting to the boundary, turning up the field and watching how smooth he is transitioning from one move to the next when he's picking his way through traffic. And it just really made me appreciate this guy really is a creator of offensive yards and yards after contact as well. So when you get the extra bulk and the guy can create yards, that's why I put his name first. Kyle, at number three, you have Nick Chubb out of Georgia. He's a senior. We know he'll be in this upcoming draft and he's looking healthy and and obviously, as you noted in the fine print, averaging a, a yard and a half more per carry than he did last year. How far behind this this tier of Barkley and Geis is Nick Chubb for you? You've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Um, maybe like a half step down. Um, I, I really think Barkley and Geis have the potential to be generational running back talents. Uh, they're both tremendous. Uh, Chubb, I'm sure with some teams, he might not even be on their board just because of how significant the knee injury was. Um, if he had not experienced the knee injury, because now teams are going to be forecasting what his longevity looks like as well. Um, I know Willis McGahee is a good example of a back that had just a terrible injury and was able to rebound and have a pretty long, fruitful career. But with running backs going through the meat grinder the way that they do, uh, Chubb having that kind of mark on his resume is probably the biggest detractor from putting him in that conversation as, of those guys. But I just I, I don't necessarily know if he has the top end burst as the other two do. I think he's just as powerful, but I don't think he has the same wiggle or lateral quickness as either of those other two guys. Uh, but he does have excellent balance, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking down on Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb, if he were fully healthy, he's probably 
back end of the first round, very early portion of second round type of, of player, maybe higher if before he suffered the injury. So, you know, Chubb, there's nothing to turn his nose up at. I just really think Barkley and Geis are generational talents. Uh, last thing I want to get into in these running backs, and, and first of all, actually, tremendous picture choice with this John Kelly photo that you, you oh, put yeah. in here. It looks like he's like flying. It's, it's I, I can't stop looking at it. But uh, uh, so you got John Kelly at number five. And, um, you know, I've talked a ton about John Kelly so far throughout the early portions of the season. But there's a lot of other backs, you know, that could kind of be right here in this tier. So I guess if you can tell me what led to you, you know, saying, okay, John Kelly, he's making this top five and who were some of the toughest guys to leave off? Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of questions about Rashad Penny from South Dakota state. Everybody's new favorite running back. Um, even saw a couple comparisons to Kareem hunt already, um, which I've, I've seen Penny, but I haven't seen him enough to have like a firm. Yes. That's a realistic comparison or no, it's not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot. It's so hard with running backs because you go down the list and you get guys like Akram Wadley and Kalen Balaj and um, Justin Jackson's a guy that I actually really like from Northwestern too. Uh, Mike Weber's draft eligible. You know, does he get up here ignoring the fact that he's been hampered by some injuries at the beginning portions of the season? Uh, Sony Michelle is another running back that uh, I would argue probably even to a worse degree than Chubb, you know, is going to have some medical flags just because of the frequency in which Michelle is, is unable to stay healthy. Uh, there's like, you could go six through 12 and put them in any order. I feel like it's just personal preference really. Um, so that's why I, I feel it's a good example of why I feel fortunate to have a, a scouting methodology that, takes all those difficult decisions out because you put in a film score that's based off of the traits that you watch. And then their off the field resume is essentially the tiebreaker and it puts these guys out in order and you just trust your uh, hashtag trust the process with that and uh, gives you your final answers. But I, there were five, six, seven names really that were in that conversation. Uh, but Kelly really, I think just the performance that he's had, at the beginning part of the year uh, with not the t Tennessee being reluctant to give him the line share of touches offensively, but him continuing to make the absolute most out of every touch that he gets is what's got him on the list. Kyle, looking ahead here to wide receivers, I'll go through the list and then uh, start my questioning. Cortland Sutton out of, of SMU, number one, Calvin Ridley, Alabama, number two, number three is Dante Pettis from Washington. Number four, Christian Kirk, Texas A&M. Number five, Simi Copps Jr. out of Indiana. The first question I have for you, Kyle, is why no James Washington? I've seen uh, a lot of love for him. I've seen him number one overall uh, on a recent mock draft. Maybe that was rich, too rich for anybody's blood, but um, you know he's not in your top five. What's going on here? He's six. I think if I look at each one of these guys, I feel better about the way that they win in college and putting that into winning in the NFL than where I see James Washington winning in college versus where he'll win in the NFL. And what I mean by that is Sutton is, for me, reminds me a lot of Corey Davis as far as his play style. Calvin Ridley is a 
technician route runner with great short area quickness and a good second gear. You could say the same thing for Dante Pettis. Christian Kirk is more raw, but has you know dynamic explosive ability. And Simi Cobbs is a contested catch receiver who's long and physical at 6'3", 6'4". James Washington, 6'1", runs a bunch of go routes in space, and he's winning 50-50 balls as a jump ball receiver a lot of the times. That's not to say there's not a lot that I don't like about James Washington, but I just look at how he's asked to play in college, and I look at how he'll be asked to play at the college or at the NFL level, and I don't see as easy or smooth of a transition there as what I see when I look at these other five names. The the next guy that I want to mention is another one that's not on your list, and he's a player that seems to be pretty popular when I see some of the buzz from other analysts, and that's uh, Clemson wide receiver Deion Kane. Uh, is he what is he missing from from so far from what you've seen of of Deion and and you know how close is he to being in this conversation yeah, I mean, as well? I mean Deion's a niche or at least last year he was a niche guy. I haven't seen more than, than one Clemson game this year, but he was the big play guy. He's the run down the field. He's got some size. He's got some length. Uh, he doesn't have great speed, but he's got good speed. Um, so I just think there's the, some of these other guys like Pettis and Ridley and, and uh, Sutton, especially the top three, uh, they're much more versatile. They have different ways that they can impact the game other than just the big, long, vertical guy, the prototypical X, but he doesn't run a lot of supplemental stuff outside of that where I see uh, these other guys winning in other areas, even like Christian Kirk in the short game. You know, I think uh, his ability to either win with speed or win as almost a running back in short areas if you get in the ball quickly, uh, I just see more ways for him to impact than what I've seen from Deion Kane. Although what Deion Kane does is very good. I wouldn't call it great, but I'd call it very good. You feel like any of these guys are worth a first round pick right now? I mean, I know that for you, Sutton's probably considerably ahead of Ridley from that one to two gap. But if if you think about, you know, you're stingy with your first round grades. Uh, do you feel like any of these guys uh, has has a chance of of landing in that tier? Yeah, I, I certainly think Cortland Sutton does. Um, Pettis, uh, obviously Ridley by proxy. If I have him ahead of him right now, I think his, his film will be strong. I'm not sure what his uh, resume his peripheral metrics are going to do for him because he's not necessarily very highly featured um he's pretty lean so he's got a couple strikes against him but as you said you know you got to check almost all the boxes to get the first round grade that's why i've had an average of 14 or 15 first round values for players uh since 2014 i've had as little as eight and as many as 16 or 17 so um Pettis is the one that I really think I slept on in the summer. And I know I've said that a couple times here on the show. Uh, but, Joe, I think what's the, the most prominent thing about this is where's the senior talent? It's Pettis. It's James Washington. Who else you got? Yeah, it's it's light. Yeah, the senior receivers are, are pretty much non-existent. So uh, yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah, Pettis and Pettis and Washington. Those guys, those guys are pretty good. But yeah, we don't we don't have the some of the guys we had last year, like Corey right. Davis in the fold. Right. So 
Uh, we do have senior talent available at tight end. Oh, my goodness. Uh, looking over your rankings here, the top two guys are seniors. Mike Gusecki, number one out of Penn State. Uh, number two, Dallas Godert, South Dakota State. Number three is Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. Number four is UMass tight end Adam Brenneman. And number five, South Carolina tight end Hayden Hurst. Kyle, let's start this conversation at the top. I know Dallas Godert was – is the darling, uh, arguably, of our summer work. We, we both came away very favorable with very favorable impressions of him. I know you drew some parallels to Travis Kelsey with him, but when I look at this ranking today, I see Mike Gusecki on top, unless I didn't read the fine print and seen, saw 1A, 1A, B, 1A, 1B type thing. Kyle, what's going on with the, with the top of this list here? I mean, you do have to factor in level of competition a little bit. Uh, Gusecki playing at Penn State, He faces a ton of really strong defensive talent. It's just I feel a little more comfortable knowing that Gusecki's making big plays against the USC's of the world, the Ohio State's of the world. Um, I think this was the general theme of looking through this tight end group. Um, If you look at last year's draft, the NFL seems to have finally accepted that the days of having the guy with the hand in the dirt who's going to be playing in line all the time um, it's probably over. So you, that's why you see guys like Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, Janu Smith, David Njoku. These guys are getting their names called in the first or second round. Um, so with these guys being space guys, I feel a lot better with looking at the talent at the tight end position and saying, yeah, the space guys are the best available talent. So I'm going to go that way. So as far as Gusecki, uh, he gets vertical. He's got excellent ball tracking skills. He's got a vertical element to take the top off the defense, a pressure cover two, and get in between linebackers and safeties, and wins contested catches. And he's sneaky fast. He's not super quick, but he's got enough legs in him that he can outrun linebackers and and get behind you if you're not paying attention. So uh, I just really liked his overall body of work, and the level of competition was probably the tiebreaker in what would have otherwise been a 1A, 1B situation. Kyle, with Mike Gusecki and the way he he moves, the way he runs, what what is it? You know, it, it's it, something. is it funky it's looking? Something, yeah. It, you know, I, <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like a middle school football player with shoes, you know, feet that are too big for the rest of his body. Yeah, it's, it's but he's almost still like going he's still fast. growing into his frame. It, yeah. It's so- <laughs> I've not quite saw, seen anything like it. I, we haven't really talked about it, so that was kind of something I, w- I just kind of wanted to put you out know there. who else is Man, like that, weird. though? Uh, Jesse James from Pittsburgh, who played at Penn State, had the exact – it was like the exact same movement skill. And uh, you just kind of watch him, and it's like he's – He's kind of lanky and goofy looking when he moves, but then you you watch him move and it's effective. So I think it, it, it's really just a matter of, you know, he looks like he's got some weight that he could put on his frame still. And I think he's just kind of growing into, you know, finishing out, filling out his, his frame a little bit. Just kind of going through the rest of the list here, Kyle. Uh, you know, I know Mark Andrews is a guy that you mocked in the first round in your uh, your initial 2018 mock draft. Can you kind of just hit these bottom three here just with a snapshot on them? Uh, because I think maybe some there might be some some listeners out there that might not be as familiar with Mark Andrews, yeah. Adam Brenneman, and, and Hayden Hurst. So give us a, a quick snapshot of those yeah, guys. Yeah, for sure. So I think Andrews is probably the most well-rounded 
out of the entire group. Um, he doesn't have a, quite as a, a big a knack for big plays, uh, but he is the guy that, like, if you wanted to put somebody's hand in the ground and, and play them in line, he could be comfortable doing that and be effective doing that. Uh, Brenneman plays at UMass. That might raise a couple eyebrows, but you got to remember this was a, a four or five star recruit that got recruited to Penn State and played there for a couple years before knee injuries eventually knocked him out. He retired from football before getting talked back into playing uh, and came to UMass. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for him to really showcase his skills as like the true, legit, top blue chip player on a roster and on the field playing other teams that don't necessarily have that level of talent. So, of course, his medicals are going to be massive for him. Uh, and as interesting as a story as that is, Hayden Hurst is probably even more interesting. This is a minor league baseball player. Played minor league baseball for two years before walking on at South Carolina. And uh, once he was there, you know, he he just – he's got a natural gift. He's a natural athlete. He's a flex guy. He's got to clean up his routes a little bit, but his hands are excellent. He's really tough, uh, really like what he brings to the table all around. All right, Kyle, let's, let's get over to these offensive tackles here. Uh, number one, you have Connor Williams out of Texas. Number two, Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. Number three, Orlando Brown uh, out of Oklahoma. Number four, Chukwuma Okorafor uh, out of Western Michigan. And number five, Martinez Rankin, Mississippi State. We've talked a ton about Connor Williams, uh, you know, throughout the summer and so far this season. He's he's the best tackle in the class. He's got the meniscus uh, tear right now that he's recovering from. But, uh, you know, there's no arguing that he's the best tackle in this class. So what I want to do is look at these next two in McGlinchey and Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown – is having a terrific season. Uh, he's a monster man, and he's powerful. And then Mike McGlinchey, who's had a good resume, but we saw some some issues uh, in the um, the Georgia game. Did you think about having Brown above him, or was was that an easy? No, decision? I teased it a little bit. I really did, but I also don't want to overcorrect. You know, I know this was something that we talked about last time we talked about McGlinchey in this Georgia game. Was at the end of the day, it counts for one. Now, if he comes out the rest of the year and he gets his ass kicked by speed rushers left and right, then, yeah, we're going to have a problem. But right now, I feel like I know who he is. I feel like he's got enough movement skill and he's technically strong enough that he can really hold his own and be a high-caliber starter. So that's why he's there. And as you said, Brown has just been tremendous. You know, he's a really he's a tone setter up front. He's got enough length that he can protect the pocket with length, even if his feet don't have the same quickness moving backwards that you'd see from other offensive tackles. Yeah, and and then you have um, a player that I think both you and I liked from our summer work out of Western Michigan, the left tackle there, Chukwuma Okorafor. And, um, you know, talk about him. You know, is this a guy that has – first round upside is this more of a day two player is this a guy you feel can play left tackle in the nfl kind of kind of give me some takes on yeah him. so if i pull up the the next 10 games for him and i see a guy that consistently plays balanced and, and keeps his hand inside then yeah maybe late first round is not out of the realm of possibility for somebody like that because he's got a pretty special raw talent base to work with as far as his size frame and movement skills that he brings to the table really powerful really fluid guy he's just not there as far as his movement efficiency yet you could tell he's still green 
but if he cleans that up, if he really turns that corner and steps his game up, then then absolutely. You know, I think that's a guy that would warrant late first round consideration if he checks all those boxes. Martinez Rankin has a big game ahead of him on yeah. uh, tomorrow, right? I mean, he's going up against uh, probably mostly Davin Bellamy, uh, who played well against Notre Dame as well. But, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see some looks with Lorenzo Carter rushing against him. But Martinez Rankin, big-time Juco recruit, horrible, horrible start to the season, turn heads as the season went along. I mean, this is a defining senior year for the man. Uh, if you have any takes on him, I'm here for it. And uh, was there anybody close, to, you, you know, that those – those next guys that uh, were in contention for this fifth spot right now? No, I don't think I, I felt pretty good about this group of five, uh, but I think this has the potential to be a defining game for Rankin as far as his, his on the field resume. You know, you mentioned he really turned it on late last year. Um, he comes out and rises to the occasion here. Uh, I really think that, you know, that'll it'll really solidify his standing as a second tier offensive tackle. Uh, but if he comes out and he struggled with speed like he has done at times in the past, uh, it's, I'm going to have to go back to square one as far as how I feel about him and really just kind of watch him again and try and get a feel for it. The last position group, interior offensive line, and you've got it. Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, number one. Braden Smith, Auburn, number two. Frank Ragnow, Arkansas, three. Billy Price, Ohio State, four. And uh, Bradley Bozeman the Alabama center, uh, number five. Kyle, Quentin Nelson's going to mess around and get a top 10 yes, grade, he is. isn't he? N- Quentin Nelson's going to mess around and be one of the top five players on my draft board in the spring. I've got to <laughs> tell you right now, he is a f- his off-the-field stuff, as far as his, his metrics, is going to be flawless. You can tell he's a good athlete. Even if he's just an above-average athlete at his size, he's listed 330, for God's sake. Um, you know, his film work is tremendous. He's an experienced player. He's a redshirt junior. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't see any way that he doesn't end up being a top five, top ten, top eight player on my draft board at the end of the spring. Yeah. One of the like just look looking over like the last five years. I'm not sure I've I've enjoyed watching a player as no. much as I have Nelson. Man, no, he he's just... dominating. And I that was the first thing I said in, in summarizing this interior offensive line class. Uh, he is legitimately in a league of his own, and it's not even close. Like, it's Nelson and the field for interior offensive linemen. If you don't get Nelson, just wait until day three and get a couple guys I, uh, because you're, you're just getting consolation prizes late in round one, beginning of day two. Talk to me about what you like about Frank Ragnow, the he's Arkansas mean. center. He's a, a poor Yeah, he's yeah. mean. Yeah, go ahead, yeah so – Centers, you see so many centers now that are a little undersized and they're scrappy and they're more seal or help guys. Uh, they don't generate a lot of one-on-one movement. That's not the case with Ragnow. Ragnow will uproot you. He'll pull you off your spot. He'll drive block you, take you onto the second level. He does that really well. He moves okay in space. He, he's got a bad habit of getting out over top of his toes a little bit at times. But uh, I just I love a guy that can generate some movement. And you see that from Ragnall, so that's why uh, he's up there in the third spot right now my interior offensive lineman ranks. You know, Billy Price is a guy I liked a bunch over over the summer. We, we see him in your top five, but you weren't quite as high uh, as I was on, on Price over the summer. Is, is this a tier thing? Like, like do you think that it's kind of like Quilton Nelson in, in, in a, his own planet – 
kind of maybe Braden Smith, Frank Ragnow are close, but then there's a, a drop off for you here at Billy Price. Is what do you like about Billy Price that makes him you know a part of yeah? I mean he he moves all right. He, I think he does a lot of things good. Um, I, I just didn't come away from his film in the summer and get super enamored with what he brings to the table. Now, you know, I haven't really watched him play center, so maybe it's center. Uh, just like what happened with Pelled Flying, you get more excited about it, gets the juices flowing. But uh, I think he's 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 good. But a good interior offensive lineman, what valuation is that? So I think that's that's kind of where I get stuck looking at him sometimes. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Very interesting. So there, there you have it, Kyle, with uh, with the, his preliminary offensive top fives. I hope I asked good questions that maybe some other people had, and I look forward to doing this next week, going going over your defensive uh, guys, and then I I might have to uh, subject myself to the same treatment here very soon by by debuting some top fives of my own. Yeah, I certainly hope you do. It's uh, it's nice, you know. It's you never want to go quote unquote on the record too soon. But at the same time, we've done the preparation work, so it just kind of made sense. You know, it's it's applying what we knew about the players in the summer, looking at the three-game sample sizes that we've seen from some of these guys. Some of them, it's only one game. Um, but you get a chance to measure the most up-to-date stuff against what you thought you knew, and it, it makes you feel like you got a pretty good handle on where a player's at at any point in time. Kyle, how many white monsters have you drank so far since you've been in Arizona adjusting to the new time zone? I've had three here in the fan rag offices today. So. <laughs> oh, like three. That I was going to set the over under at two and uh yeah, take the you, over. You uh, you very nice, very nice. Uh, I'm sure your your next couple days here trying to <laughs> to uh adjust to the time zone. You've got football games that really start at 10:30 in your normal time zone that are going to be ending, you know, in the in the yeah, two one two o'clock range, man. This is great. Uh, look forward to to uh, hearing your takes from these games and, and some of the some of your acclamations to uh, adjusting to the time zone and then getting back, man. This is going to screw you up big time. But uh, glad you're out there to to get uh, get eyes on some of this Pac-12 contest. Uh, it's I think this is the first time that uh, you've been uh, credentialed for a Pac-12 game. So way to break the break no, the barrier. Just waiting on the SEC now. That's the only only conference I haven't gotten a credential for as far as the Power Fives go. So, uh, SEC, call me. Let's get this done. Yes, sir. That is going to do it for us today on the show. 
Uh, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you are now ready for the weekend ahead in college football and have a good feel for, you know, some of the top talent available on the offensive side of the football for the upcoming draft. That is pretty far away still, but we are going to get you ready for it here on the draft dudes podcast. Kyle, safe travels. Enjoy the games. Everyone enjoy the weekend ahead in college football. We'll be back again for you on Monday to recap everything and uh, have another great week on the podcast. I'm signing off for Kyle Krabs. This is Joe Marino, and thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Title Premium, 15 gigabytes, mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry, for a limited time, it's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercial plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit. Third dollar activation fee speed. Maximums use rules and restrictions apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.